Progressive presents The Sounds of the Old World. The year is 2019, and someone is waiting for the previews to start in a movie theater. Hey, you want anything? Popcorn? Soda? No, nothing? This has been The Sounds of the Old World. Brought to you by Progressive, where drivers can still switch and save like it's 2019. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. You're listening to a Hindustan Times production. Brought to you by HD Smartcast. This is part two of my conversation with Neha Sinha, author of Wild and Willful, Tales of 15 Iconic Indian Species. And what I found interesting about that chapter is also this bit about how you talk about um, food taboos and, you know, uh, and how that also plays a part in individuals' perception of another group. Yeah. You know, yeah. talk about that. That was very... You know, uh, when I first heard about the Amur Falcons being hunted, you know, I went to the Wildlife Crime Control Bureau in Delhi and I told them that this is a very big, you know, big scale hunt and can we do something because it's illegal. And, you know, there is a caste system in almost everything we do, like there's a hierarchy. Yes. So the guy is like, yes. we are concerned about rhinos and tigers. We don't care about birds, you know, because, you know, rhinos and tigers sell for a lot of money in the international market, uh, you know. And they're like, we have our hands full, all tigers and rhinos get pushed, you know. And anyway, we know that people in Nagaland do this only. This is what they do. They've been doing this for generations and, you know, years. So, you know, this is not not new what you're saying. That was one aspect of, you know, how they don't even want to go there. They're like, you know, these people are savages. The second aspect mm. is, you know, a lot of India, uh, people who eat meat, they eat, you know, uh, they eat um, sort of, animals that are vegetarian in, in you know who don't actually eat other animals so for example hmm. eat chicken you know a chicken may eat worms but you know it also yeah. eats like grains and stuff then we eat oats hmm. which eat plants but we don't really eat carnivores yeah. so a lot of hunting yeah. communities also you know may not eat a bird of prey you know a bird of prey hmm. only eating other animals and you know, yes. I think it comes from a taboo that, you know, such an animal is impure. And, you know, the Nagas yes. eating falcons is also when people heard about it, they were like, who eats falcons? Like, it's a yeah. horrible thing to eat, you know. Uh, and yeah. uh, This is what Nagas do. They eat dogs. They eat falcons. They eat snakes. They eat insects, mm. right? This is the perception. Mm. And there was a lot of disgust and repulsion. So, you know, when... When we first started talking about this hunt, you know, what we got was just like a spadefuls of disgust and loathing and hatred. And I was like, what am mm. I going to do with this loathing and disgust and hatred? Like, I love dogs. Mm. I have a dog. The Nagas mm. dogs. So where do we stand on this? You know, like, am yeah. I going to just say that they are, they shouldn't exist? Uh, you know, mm. uh, that uh, it's not allowed that, you know, we can only eat certain kinds of meat and not the others. And so, you know, it mm. all kind of came together in all these urban people, especially, you know, having very strong views. Then there's a vegan community. They have very strong views on other people eating meat. And I think all of this comes together to create a racist stereotype, which is also mm. why, you know, there hasn't been a lot of conservation work in Nagaland, I think, you know. And Nagas oh. also feel the racism, you know. They always say, yes. you know, that don't give us we don't want your secondhand views on how bad we are, you know, or 
so i think it is important to approach it in a sensitive manner and you know the fact is for example uh, eating meat I, i guess you know we could say all meat is not equal in our eyes so like yes. saying dog meat is not mm. no no for most people and yes. uh, chicken meat is fine but uh, mm. i think the racism there is racism also in 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 the way that we deal with people in our own country and you know one yes. of my biggest aims was to make sure that you know it that kind of comes out in the book as well that's a complexity yes. that we need to deal with uh, you know our own uh, the, our own stereotypes in in the way that we look at people and the way we profile them you know mm. dehumanize mm. them all the time uh, when in fact if you grow up in a naga home you know all meat is the same for you you deal with patriarchy and you know the treatment of women in uh, um, in conservative societies well our society is conservative in <laughs> you know in the tiger chapter for yeah, instance yeah. i found that also very interesting the way, the way you said that in the villages the way uh, you know when we went with those forest guards how they spoke about those female tigers who are not getting pregnant yeah. was kind of the same way they spoke about women yeah So talk about that. Yeah, you know, in fact, that was my master's research. So I did a hundred interviews in Saraska to see, you know, uh, what these people felt. They live inside the forest, inside the tiger reserve. I wanted to see what they felt about the tiger becoming extinct because that's what had happened. Mm-hmm. All the tigers had been poached in Saraska, and you know, uh, mm-hmm. this this is reintroduction plan of bringing tigers from Vanthambore. So the first time India was trying this, you know, they they flew these tigers in in these Indian Air Force choppers. It was a very very high publicity, you know, big deal, yes. right? And then mm-hmm. you know the thing is the tigers were stressed out because they were in a new place. They had just been picked up and dumped there, you know. and also being yeah. followed constantly by the guards who wanted to make sure that they wouldn't get poached again and um they was they did some stress tests on the tigers and found that they were highly stressed but yes you know when they didn't breed for a long time all the guards are like ye banjar hai you know the female is in <laughs> and i'm like you know this is how men always talk about you know any any family not being able to produce i was like you know maybe it's the male that's not uh, fertile you know maybe he doesn't have potency in his sperm right so why is it always you know the female that's always blamed for everything and the fact also is they brought in tigers just to repopulate uh, you know those tigers didn't seem to have any value other than just you know repopulating yeah. and breeding like you know rats or whatever and uh, yeah. you know in in terms of conservation decisions um the women are not consulted so the women are mm. just living uh, you know they are the engine of the home but they're not driving mm. the direction they're just running the household mm. and because yeah. these are forest communities uh, they're quite cut off from the rest of uh, you know a society in many ways you feel like you've gone mm. back 100 years when you meet them because they are always in ghungat mm. and they are they live you know uh, totally segregated from other men and uh, mm. the point is if you want to address issues like relocating people from inside the tiger reserve then we do need mm. to talk to women you know because women yeah. uh, often have very strong feelings on what should happen with their kids you know and in my interview mm. all the women said we want a better future for our kids and most of them were willing to move the men had made mm. different answers they were not so concerned with the future of their children they were more concerned with dal kab lana hai aata kab lana hai like when are we going to uh, get you know bigger markets near our house they were not so concerned with what happens when their kids grow up 
and i think women are an untapped force you know in any rural community we need to make the effort to reach out to them and to uh, consult with them as well and me i being a woman myself you know when i go to these places uh, it's always hard because um the society there doesn't see women doing anything you know uh, not really going around or talking to other people they only see women inside their homes and uh, you know yeah. uh, just being quiet not heard at all not seen at all so you know uh, yeah we have patriarchy in india we have patriarchy in in the way decisions get made and a decision to move a village needs to you know have women being consulted there's no question about it, you know and there's so many other issues as well the sanitary hygiene you know there's there's uh, yeah. you know issues of you know uh, uh, other medical facilities that they need you know in terms of pregnancy and childbirth you know and mm. there are issues that need to be you know uh, uh, faced and uh, addressed the rosy starling one was very nice because i remember seeing a whole bunch of them you know in a tree like when i was just driving through central delhi somewhere i just looked up, I, I, at a signal i looked up and the particular tree there was full of these birds yeah. and you know and i was just get and you brought that back that memory back you know and so looking at these birds thinking what are they what are they and they were rosy starlings yeah. the whole tree was full of them so they're such joyous birds and they're always talking you can't ever have a bunch <laughs> of rosy starlings that are quiet and it's i think it's really magical that they only come you know uh, if you saw them you must have seen them at spring time so they'll be here yes. in some time now in delhi and then then they'll be gone okay so they'll only be here for 7 yeah. 10 days and then it's like mm. they were never there because they're going to go back to central asia and i just find it yeah. really magical that you know they come all the way from kyrgyzstan kazakhstan all those places and uh. they come make this really long migratory journey and they pick their spots okay so if it ha- if you saw yes. it on that one tree likely it yeah. will be on the same tree at the same time of the year oh. so i monitor mm. the tamil tree near my house and every year the rosy starlings come on that tree and they're actually coming from south india because uh, they when they come here first at the onset of winter they go go down south and in the south okay. they eat a lot of semal flowers and by the time they <laughs> come back to delhi the semal is over the flowering is over but still they sit on the tree and they just hang yeah. around they have this big adda there you know and i just you can hear them all the time chittering chittering and then they're gone yeah. they've gone back to their you know native uh, natal lands so i just i just find you know i i i think migration is so magical and i feel lucky that i live in a city which gets migratory birds and the other the other essay i just loved is the crocodile one <laughs> it's so it's so lovely the crocodile one is like really good because it's hard to feel affection for a crocodile mm-hmm. and and this man who's feeding the crocodiles and you met him and i don't know i would have freaked out i mean you're a conservationist and you were nervous yeah. i would have, i would have like i don't know yeah, like you know, you know we have a beauty bias no we like animals that look expressive and i think we like animals yeah. with fur like mammals and things Yes, yes it has no fur it has no expressions on its face you don't know what it's thinking right and it's a <laughs> big 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 animal it's so big the head itself is the size of a small animal yeah no i i just think sitaram das he's such an amazing man he he kind of has this love with our expectations you know they have this mm. quiet thing going on in which he calls the crocodiles they come to him because he's taken care of them yeah. when they were younger and uh, even if he has nothing to give them it's fine they are sitting there it's okay then they go away 
and he feels happy to meet them they feel happy to meet him and it's like you know love between a man and a reptile it seems to me to be the most extreme kind of love in many ways right because there's yeah. no other transaction happening there it's just a kind of companionship and i keep telling yeah. him i i was scared because there were three crocodiles i was scared definitely and you know they make this hissing sound they're so they look very primitive you know they look like <laughs> yeah but they're actually so evolved because they're such perfect predators and he doesn't mm. see any of that he just knows each individual like each individual i don't know how he tells the difference because honestly they look quite similar but he, you know he's like this is a good one this is a naughty one this is the best one you know ye meri sari baat sunta hai you know and i'm like wow you know he's found his purpose in life through crocodiles and he actually used to he has cows you know he he never needed to you know have any other animals in his life because he already has cats he has cows he's a priest but mm. he found mm. these crocodiles stranded in the fields the small ones and he started rescuing mm. them and he just developed an affection and he's just like you know they're not they're not bad at all you just need to understand them that's basically what he his philosophy mm. in life is that you, you understand it you respect it and it's it's really good it's never going to do anything that's dangerous or stupid you know it's not going to be mm. unpredictable in the way we think wild animals are unpredictable you know we always say if you don't like someone we say jungli hai you know or we say jungle mm. raj kya chal raha hai this is jungle raj but honestly mm. when you go to the forest and if you know animals a little bit nothing happens you know it's not dangerous in any way i i find mm. cities really quite much more dangerous you know and i think jungle yeah. raj is such a funny thing to say because a jungle is perfectly orderly you know animals hunt each other but they have their rules and they have their boundaries you know mm-hmm. if you go to a jungle it's not like the tiger the leopard uh, the cobra they're all going to come to bite you and to kill you it's not like that at all mm-hmm. i mm-hmm. think it's quite orderly so that's what he says as well you know uh, they're not uh, you know dangerous as long as you know their habits and <laughs> mm-hmm. and and despite the fact of losing one yeah. arm to a yeah. Though, yeah though it I guess it's not the crocodile's fault yeah he, he, yeah he definitely he's very clear that it was not her fault there were these you know children they were throwing stones at her and she was incubating her eggs and uh, he mm. came to stop the kids and she just lunged towards them and he was just in the way and he kept telling me it's not her fault it's not her fault what i found from your book is it your observations kind of say more about us not say more say a lot about us and how we react to animals yeah. you know which is something which is something which kind of opens your eyes mm-hmm. so talk about that you know how we think that how animals should be and how that kind of uh, influences how we behave yeah. you know we want them to be cute we want them to be uh, to stay in their place yeah. but also be photogenic yeah. you know all these things you know i think i've thought deeply about this especially because i'm a woman and you know mm. when you're a woman you are expected to be sweet and nice i think generally society you know everybody you know uh, yes. expects women to be uh, beautiful and sweet and you know not should not be too much right should not have too many mm. opinions should not have too loud a voice you know Those kind yeah, of things, yeah. and you know, I realize that it's a, it's a, it's an instrument of control, right? So it's mm-hmm. similar for animals, you know. 
anything that's maybe not a man or anything that's not a center of power we don't want it to be too much so it should be pleasing to us you know mm-hmm. so it's a very anthro um, anthropocentric or anthropomorphic view of things in which things have mm-hmm. to be good for us according to us mm-hmm. right so mm-hmm. even an animal should be relatable uh, and mm-hmm. animals don't feel the need to be relatable to us right so like a crocodile yeah. or a cobra is not relatable you can't cuddle it you can't touch it you know you can't approach yes. a wild leopard you know and uh, mm-hmm. i think uh, this is the reason why the dog is the most successful animal on the planet and dogs <laughs> closest relative the wolf is one of the most hated you know across the world wolves are persecuted mm-hmm. because it's such a wild animal it's outside you know our realm of control you know they're clever mm-hmm. they're hunters and they are not docile at all like, Yes, they have yes. these hard eyes, you know, and dogs mm-hmm. make eye contact with us, and wolves mm-hmm. don't make eye contact, and it comes yes. down to exactly what you said, which is, you know, it says something about us. You know, we uh, want to have control, and we want to say this is appealing and this is not appealing, and I want to mm-hmm. kind of address this, and this book is one of the ways I've tried to address this issue that everything doesn't exist to make us happy. everything that is yes. just to gratify us and i think it's a very mm. reductive view to you know have everything beautiful and manicured you know in the same way yeah. we shouldn't expect that from each other that for example mm. girls or women or you know even children they don't have to be perfect they need to be accepted yeah. you know for their own unique personalities animal uh, doesn't need to be relatable we are always looking for relatability but i think it's a very um it's a stupid expectation to have and i think we should see them for what they are mm. which is that it's living its life you know if it's a predator it will be more even more wild it will be even more difficult to touch or catch or you know confront mm. and uh, i think it makes our lives richer in many ways if we become tolerant of things that we don't like and the contrast between how uh, you know maybe tribal people deal with a crocodile yeah. or and with what happened around that statue what happened to those crocodiles the sardar patel statue yeah. did they, they give up that uh, well they stopped uh, doing that only because they couldn't catch the crocodiles and there were too many of them <laughs> So the crocodiles won in the end. Yeah, well, if you could call it winning. See, it, it's not that they didn't try. <laughs> they definitely tried, but they didn't even know how many crocs were there. And you know, again, you know, a crocodile is not just going to attack you, right? This is not a yeah. Jaws movie. You know, this Hollywood movie where an animal <laughs> jumps out of the water to attack you. It, it does a great disservice to real animals. And if only they had mm. the people of Charotar in Gujarat or. Kotni Sanar in Chhattisgarh. They would have known that you know you can't live along with crocodiles, and crocodiles are not these killing machines waiting to kill you, right? Um, mm-hmm. I think uh, you know we have become more intolerant generally. I think generally as mm-hmm. a society we are becoming intolerant, and in many ways. And I think our attitudes towards animals is one of that. So very recently mm-hmm. there was a wild elephant that went inside Kanha Tiger Reserve because I think the book also talks about. how elephants are moving back towards central india yes. yes. and the department yes. forest department they actually caught the elephant and I, this why would they do that i don't know i think it may be a tourism lobby or something that they don't want a wild elephant there but i was just you know i tweeted about this i was like why would you catch an animal which has gone inside a forest you know so we 
this excessive need to control everything is such a uh, primitive kind of thing you know ki there's no going back from such a path in which you just want to uh, break everything or control everything you don't make any effort to understand that being you know i i think animals are citizens too you know i think yeah. you know, they should be seen as beings in their own right right and not mm-hmm. just as something that you know we can use as a political tool or just as something to pass our time you know and uh, yeah. so if it's an elephant inside a tiger reserve there's no reason why it should be caught or if there's a leopard in a biodiversity park there's no reason why it should be caught true no absolutely i think there are lessons in being better people through wild animals you know i think if we mm. make this effort to understand them a little bit i think our lives would be better i think you know learning patience you know learning patience if you have a wasp nest in your garden and you let it be mm. there it means you try to avoid that area you try to work around it you try to be flexible and i think that's a good thing to be i think it's good to be yes. flexible and to think beyond you know our own self and if there's an elephant family uh, that's crossing a railway line to make sure the train slows down to have maybe cctv cameras there early warning systems i think that enriches our governance it doesn't take away from it you know right now we're yes. rolling through everything so we're going to smash the wasp nest and we're going to kill the elephants and you yeah. know uh, or we're going to just you know fence every area and it doesn't work like that the more fences we make i think the worse we become i think our hearts become smaller i think we become less human in many ways mm. yeah thank you so much neha it was really a pleasure talking to you thank you for having me and i'm so glad you liked the book since it is my first yes. book i i think it will always be special yeah it is special <laughs> for the listeners go out and get wild and willful tales of 15 iconic indian species by neha sinha it's a lovely book and it will make you think a lot about yourself and about the animal kingdom as well thank you so much neha bye this was a hindustan times production brought to you by hd smartcast hd smartcast